Hi friends, this is Wendy Harrop and welcome to the Say Yes to Yourself podcast. On the Say Yes to Yourself podcast, you'll hear stories from women just like us who are adding the practice of saying yes in their daily lives in big and small ways. And as a result, are experiencing the truth that everybody wins when you say yes to yourself. Saying yes to yourself is a graceful unfolding, an intentional becoming of the very best version of you. It is my hope that in these conversations, we are able to find our truth and be inspired and empowered to live our very best lives. I'm so excited to go on this journey with you, and I look forward to finding a bit of our own story in each other's. Hey friends, welcome back to the podcast. I'm so, so thrilled to have you here. And really, really, I am. Thank you for your time. Thank you for your energy. Thank you for your sweet love notes that you send me um, in email or DMs or by reviewing the podcast. It's all just water and sunshine to this little plant. And I cannot thank you enough for your support and your presence. Um, We have a fantastic conversation today with a fantastic human. Um, My friend, Missy, I met her in September of 2021. Yes, September of 2021 um, in Miami at a retreat with Gina DeVee. And you know how you sometimes you just meet somebody and you think, where have you been all my life? We've clearly known each other, um, but we just haven't met yet. So she is a fabulous human. I loved her instantly and had the great, fabulous pleasure of seeing her in person again a year later, as she and her husband were in the area on vacation and they stopped by, which was super fun, which by the way, I love it when you guys stop by. So if you're in the area, please stop by. Um, and then this year to get to connect with her um, at the same exact time, um, but for this interview is so exciting. She has just written a new book and I'm so excited to get my hands on it because after you hear all of the fabulous details, you are also going to want to get yourself a copy, but a little bit about Missy Shopshire. She is an author, a speaker, and a coach. She started her career in sales, reaching the top 2% in a multi-billion dollar company. She held that position for over 10 years, during which she learned the importance of building a team, leading them well, and working toward a shared vision of success. Then a near-death experience caused her to reevaluate her life. Leaving the sales industry at the top of her game, she switched gears to become a certified life and business coach. Now she helps leaders do what she learned to do align with a higher purpose, and achieve their true potential. Today, Missy is on a mission to help leaders embrace their circumstances and achieve their deepest held dreams and desires. So now you know why I felt like I had already been friends with this woman for my whole life. 
She's so lovely, so delightful, has such a beautiful message for this time in our world. And I'm really excited for you to get to know Missy a little bit more today. Missy Shropshire, I am so excited to see your beautiful face. And I'm also going to say, now I'm very self-conscious because I don't know if I've ever heard you pronounce your last name and I don't know if I did it right. Just the way it looks, Shropshire. Okay, Shropshire. Because I know, was it a Shropshire? I don't know. I it was a it was a Shropshire. Shropshire. And then they dropped. Then they dropped the first. Are that's like the Shropshire sheep, and there's a county um, in England. So I think that's where our family came from. Well, my husband's family, you know. So that's amazing. Oh my gosh. Well, there we go. And there's our, we now have had our history lesson and (laughs) our English lesson and we're just laying all of the cards on the table. So, um, I am so, so, so excited to again, see your beautiful face, to spend some time in gorgeous conversation with you, but most of all to introduce you and your fabulous goodness to the listeners of this fun podcast. Some of them may know you already, but for another fabulous reason, and that is the vanilla old fashioned. So when you you came to visit on your way through New England last year, you were on your way to the airport and you stopped with your goods, which were the ingredients for this delicious cocktail, which then I featured on a favorite Friday and featured at a brown party that I threw in my barn at the beginning of October last year. And um, it has become a favorite. Yeah, it's a favorite here too. And I actually, I'm doing gift baskets for this event that I'm hosting on Thursday. And I would run into the other room and show it to you because I'm so excited, but we're in the middle of something, but we have renamed it. It's our Halloween drink now. And we now call it the spooky swirl. Oh, I like a spooky swirl. So tell everyone what is in it. And then I will remember, I'm making myself a note. I will put the recipe for this delicious cocktail in the show notes. You should. I'm going to send, I made up little recipe cards for it because I. it's like Missy's old fashioned is what I want it to be called for all time. It should be. It is, it's vanilla bourbon. It's Grand Marnier. Um, what else? Do we, oh, chocolate bitters. That's the key there. And then we put in an orange slice and two Luxardo cherries. With a little bit of the liquid from the Luxardo cherries. Yes, ma'am. Mm. And I used to be a wine drinker and now I, that is my favorite drink. I mean, it's like a salad. I tell my husband, I put a lot of extra orange in there and cherry. I'm like, this is pretty much a salad. So it is a salad. (laughs) It's so convenient. You don't even need a fork. Yes, it is. We've solved so many problems in the world in our first five minutes. Really, We could just leave people with that and it would make their lives better. It's called Missy's old fashioned. It's a vanilla old fashioned. It's, It's a salad in a drink. Right. It's so good. And I'm so excited. I'm so excited to have so many lovely um, pillars that have built this beautiful friendship. Um, And that is one of them, a very important one. But the real reason for today's conversation 
is this giant yes that you have said to yourself. So um, I'm going to ask you the question that I asked the majority of my guests, if I remember. Um, and that is, how are you saying yes to yourself in this season? I mean, writing the book was definitely a huge yes that I said to myself. And it's funny, Wendy, my trainer was here this morning. I work out with this wonderful human being two mornings a week. And he said, you know, Missy, it's just so cool. Like, this is the week. Like, it's all launching. We're having a party on Thursday night. The book actually released today, Wendy. Like, the the paperback and the hardcover. Like, today is our official launch day. So, so fun. Chills. I'm uh, so excited. Yeah. And he he was saying, it's just been so fun to watch you do this um, because I've been working on this book for a year. And, you know, a lot of people write books. And I, as I started writing, it's been a dream of mine for a long time, but it's also a lot of hard work and it's just um, can be frustrating and it's a long form project. So you have to maintain your motivation for a long time. And he asked me, you know, what the experience has been like. And I said, you know, I decided from the very beginning that I wasn't just going to write a book, but that I was going to enjoy the process. Mm. And so I have had the best year of my life writing this book. And, you know, like one of the first things I did was come out to to see you and to take a trip on the Schooner Mary Day, which is chapter three in the book. You all can read about it. We, We had this magnificent experience on this old schooner out in Penobscot Bay or however they say that. Do you know how to say it? Nope. Um, I just know how to say Shopshire now. Yes. Now, now we know that I'll have to, add I'm mastering one new word a yeah. day. <laughs> so it wasn't even just that I said yes to writing the book and gosh, our friend Gina would, would has influenced me so much in this way, but I wanted to write this book like a queen. And I decided I wasn't going to do client meetings in the mornings while I was writing. So I just blocked off every single morning of every day And it changed the way I lived my life. It changed the way I showed up for this project. And my work hasn't suffered at all. I mean, my regular client work has just grown right along with it. So that's how I'm saying yes to myself. And I learned a huge lesson by writing the book this way. Oh my gosh. I love all of that so much. I love just the truth that intention is everything. And when you made a decision that you were going to enjoy the process and then you followed it up with inspired actions that supported that intention, you had the experience that you desired because you created a framework that that desire could exist inside. Yeah. I I love that. I love that you took care of yourself by guarding your schedule. I love that you saw God provide for you in in your keeping your client base sustained and growing. I loved that you cared for yourself with a personal trainer. I've had I've had conversations with a couple of and you look amazing. I've had conversations with a couple of authors recently who did not have that experience. And I don't think they set out like, oh, I'm going for adrenal failure and um, losing my hair. You know, like that wasn't the goal, but the the process can suck your life out of you as anything. And I guess. 
And I've certainly done that before with other goals. And that's why I wanted this experience to be different. So it was definitely intentional. And that became the goal. The goal wasn't just to finish the book. The goal was to enjoy the process, which I elevated that goal above finishing the book. And so it's funny because I was challenged in this a lot of different times. There were there, there were difficult moments. But once I remembered my goal is to enjoy this process, I spent a lot of time walking in the woods by my house. So anytime there was stress or I wasn't feeling like I was enjoying the process, I just went for a walk. And it's amazing how much clarity I got just by slowing the pace down and by remembering that I had a bigger goal. Oh, it's so good. It's really good. And how did, so besides setting that intention and building your schedule around it and having this go-to pressure release valve in walking in nature, what other things did you have to change to accomplish this goal? Or was that enough structure for you? You know, Wendy, actually, it was just more of saying yes to myself and allowing. So it's a creative work and I'm a builder and I'm a get crap done person, right? I mean, that's how my, my career before this was sales. And so I learned, I lived that adrenal blowing, you know, work hard, achieve more. I've lived that life before. So when I wrote the book, it was an opportunity for me to shift into the more creative side of myself. And I realized that requires different things than just discipline, get up and write for three hours every day or whatever. And I didn't do it that way. But what I did was I planned just really fun things. I said yes to coming out um, to Maine for the schooner. I said yes to this beautiful writer's workshop that Bob Goff hosts in San Diego. And that turned into be, you talk about amazing things is I said yes to the school of whimsy, which he hosts in um, Anaheim. And when I went out there, he gave this really inspiring talk to a small group of people. There were probably less than a hundred of us in a room, which is a very small group for Bob Goff. And just to be in his presence, what a gem of a human. Yeah. And he wrote the forward for my book. So I saw that I was like, oh. Oh, well, yeah, this is no no, uh, hobby. (laughs) And that's how that came out to be is because I followed my desire and I wanted to go to that. I'm going back again this year and I'm bringing my son with me, so I can't wait. But, but while I was there, he gave this just really inspiring talk, which is what he does. And at the end, he said, if you have a dream and I can help you ask me, ask me, um, and what, how I can help you. And so at the end of that, I went up to him and I said, I'm writing a book. It's called Forces at Work. And I was at the very beginning of the process and I was feeling very stuck and very lost in the process. And I said, I didn't even know what this meant when I asked him, but I said, will you write the foreword for my book? And he just said, yes. And he's a yes guy. And he says, yes. And I wondered if he, I'm like, when you say yes, what does that mean? And he said, I just, here's what he said. Keep me appraised of the process. Email me when you have a manuscript and we'll review it and we'll talk about next steps. And he was, is a man of his word. And as busy as he is, he followed up with me via email. He read the manuscript and he's continued to provide support all along the way. And and next week he's going to put me on his Instagram live and promote the book. um, Oh my word. I love that. Again, I have chills. He is such a lovely, lovely man. I listened to a podcast interview that he did with Kathy Heller and he 
referenced how he puts his phone number inside his books and tells people to call him if they want to. And he took a call during the podcast. (laughs) He doesn't. I don't have time time to return calls. So when the phone rings, I have to take it. So that's what he said. And, you know, I share his story in my book too. It's in the chapter on agency because it's such a beautiful example of someone who knows who he is and the impact that he wants to have in the world and the gifts that he brings. And so he can say yes. And so he says yes, when he wants to, when he feels like saying yes, but he can also let your call go to voicemail and not have a guilt trip over it. So I, I have learned from his example so much this year and I've told him over and over. I mean, there's been other people that I've reached out to for help who have declined my offer and there's no judgment there because they're exercising their own boundaries and their own efforts. But I said to Bob the other day, we were on the phone and I said, I, you have taught me, I want to be a yes person. I want to be able to say yes when people ask me for stuff and if I can help them with their dream. So I have a lot of work to do, um, but Bob sets a great example and I'm really grateful that he chose to be part of this project. Oh my gosh. I love that for you. And I love this decision to become a yes person. And you know that you already know you're a brilliant, wise queen. You know that that doesn't mean become a doormat and say yes when you mean no. It just means to be so in tune with yourself and your purpose that the aligned requests that come in are easy yeses and the requests that are not in alignment are easy no's and that the energy is very clean. Yeah, it's so true. Yeah, I would watch Bob do this. He would just check in with himself and go, yeah, I'm a yes, I can do that. And he could just as easily say no. And I, I, it's just really fun when you live that way and you leave some margin in your schedule and in your life. So this week I've had just a, amazing, happy coincidences happening because I didn't schedule very much for this week. I, I knew it's also my birthday this week and I just wanted to enjoy. I know I'm launching a book on my birthday. It's so funny. That's what I would do. If there was also like a parade or a float involved, <laughs> that, that would be... I'll do that too. Awesome. And a glass of champagne. Well, I just knew like the book was going to come out. I didn't want, I finished the book in May and I didn't want to release it in May because I wanted to, uh, I wanted to honor my family over the summer. I didn't want to be thinking about the book. I wanted to be relaxing with my family. So it felt really good to finish it in May and then set it down for a minute. We took our boys to Europe this summer. We visited Paris. I know one of your favorite places. We went back to London. We went to Spain And then when we got home, I was ready to turn my attention back to the book and begin the marketing process of it. So just been, it's been a delightful experience. I just, now that I've done it, I want to help other people write books. Perfect. I'm so glad. And I would love to be a stop on your book, write your book. Wendy, let's do an event. Let's do an event. At the Phineas Wright House. You know, have people come when they need time to set aside, just like you have an artist in residency, to have a writer in residency where you're setting aside time to commit to your project and you don't have to worry about anything. I'm going to bring you coffee and then tea and then champagne and then food and (laughs) 
You don't have to worry about anything. And that's so beautiful, Wendy, because that is your gift. And you just light up when you do that and when you talk about it and you do it so well. I remember the first time I met you, it was at one of Gina's retreats and you brought these little homemade peanut butter and jelly brownies. Was that what it was? Was Yeah, the peanut butter and jam bars. From the strawberry jam that I grew the strawberries. Yeah. And they were amazing. And I just, I loved you that moment because you were also at that time doing whatever delighted you. And we had some similar personal challenges that we connected on. And I was like, I am going to be friends with her. And um, that, I don't know. I'm I'm so grateful for you. And I love the idea of being a coach in residence or a writer in residence too. Right. I love that. And just to hold space for people to hold space for themselves. That's what I want to do. So however I can support your future clients as they're writing their books, please keep me in mind. Let's do that. Yes. I do think that the jam bars would be very good with the spooky swirl, the vanilla. um, You know what? There's something about those bars and that drink that anything would taste better with that next yeah. to them. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> kind of like you and me, right? When we get together, exactly. it's a fun pairing. It's a it's fun so pairing. Good. It's so good. <laughs> it just goes together. So forces at work. Yep. Why this book and why now? Okay. You know, I love the title. When I heard it, I knew it was one of those things where I got the inner ding and I was like forces at work. And it's because I believe that each one of us has a unique and important purpose to find and fulfill that will bring us joy, but will also serve the world. And I've, I think I felt that since I was a little girl, I remember when I went to parochial grade school and one time, I think I was about in eighth grade and I was in catechism class and the teacher said, does anyone here know the purpose of life? And I was like, oh my gosh, I got my pencil out. I was ready to go because I've been waiting to figure this out. And he said at the time, he said, the purpose of life is to know God and make him known. And at that point in my life, I, that grabbed me. And I was like, you know what? I wrote it down and I made that my life's purpose for a long time. But what I've learned now is that that is a very universal purpose. Mm -hmm. And it may or may not resonate with you. But what I've learned since then is that we all have a very unique and important purpose. And as I work with my clients, and I've been doing this work for 15 years now, I see their potential and I see those qualities in them. And I love to draw them out. And I love to help them see how they can step into those vocationally. And it's not just a hobby or it's not just something you do on the side, but stepping into who you really are and how you want to show up in the world and what you really want your contribution to be. And maybe saying no to the areas where you might have developed some strengths, but you don't want to do that stuff anymore. Right. I loved the order that you placed in finding your purpose that brings you joy and serves the world and how that order is really important because Mm -hmm. a lot of times our practice or our conditioning or society says, well, how can you be of service? And then it's okay if you're dying a little bit every day, because look at all the people you're helping. Yeah. Yeah, And I'm, and I'll say, I know I mentioned Gina several times, but reading her book, the Mm -hmm. audacity to be a queen that hit me at a time. I mean, I read her book before I ever met her. In fact, that's why I came to the retreat where I met you. 
And that was a big shift for me because I've always wanted to be a servant hearted person and to lift others up. But when you learn to honor your desires, you know, I I say this in the book, you know, the Bible says that God gives us the desires of our heart and there's different ways to read that it's, he can give us what we want, like a sugar daddy, or he gives us what to want. And I think that's what I, I like that better. He gives us what to want so we can trust our desires. We can trust that they're coming from him. And that just gave me so much freedom. So I love that. Yes, I agree. And I believe that if these dreams are in me, then these dreams are for me. I'm not making it up. I'm not. And God is not mean. So yeah, that's how I know I'm supposed to keep going because yeah. and the, it, it's, it's fun it's once right. you get on that. And once you get on that road, you're delighted and you're happy in there. And then, like the sourpuss people are like, not happy about that, but you don't care because you're like, it just changes everything. And I just have this picture of you standing on the top of your hill with your sign. Yes. I love that her heart upon a field and takes it as her own. Yeah. That um, is Proverbs 31 verse 16 from the passion translation. And I don't know if you've happened to have that translation or read that, but Proverbs 31 in that translation feels like my business plan. Oh, it's, I'm going to check it out. Oh my gosh. It is like um, her name is on the gates of the city. Like I write in the <laughs> in the thing like, oh, I'm adding the Phineas Wright house to the welcome to Bolton sign because there are oh, all yeah. these businesses that are listed. It's like, I oh, love it. okay, well, clearly I'm supposed to do that. And it talks about like going to far off places and bringing the best things back. I'm like, oh, that sounds like a curated trip to France. Oh, that sounds yes, like a ship. Oh, that sounds like my Dahlia workshop. Oh, that sounds like a farm stay. I'm like, oh my gosh. Yeah. yeah. And and I think that we've been conditioned to not be selfish, you know, for so long that sometimes I feel like that's the, that's the work that I do with my clients so much is to help them shift from your desires aren't selfish. They're actually significant and they're really important clues to why you're here and what your purpose is in the world. That's so beautiful. It's such big work. And I love that it's not just, oh, I wrote a book and now I'm done because that is just the opening of the beautiful gift that, you know, there's another box inside there and there's another box inside there. And you get to help people with this excavation of their own, of their own process in that discovery. And having someone like you, having you specifically help them in that process is such a gift because we can't see what our own blind spots are. Mm. Like my friend, Nicole Khalil says, it's like trying to read the label from inside the bottle. (laughs) I actually have that quoted in my book there, Wendy. Yeah. Great mind. Yeah. So, um, it's such, it's really, really important to find a mentor, to connect with people and, and to know that sometimes like that person's going to be your person for decades. And sometimes that person is just your person for this particular season. And you don't have to, and I'm saying you, a person, me, I do not have to 
figure it all out before I take the next step. Yeah. Actually taking the next step is the key to figuring it out. Yeah. You know, what came up for me too, the bigger idea of forces at work is really that we are all on a journey from moving from fear to love. Yes, And that is what gets in the way of us finding our purpose. It's always fear, you know, fear of what other people will think or fear of failure or fear of something. But once we start to really love ourselves, it opens up the door for us to be able to truly love other people and truly serve from a place of abundance. So that that's the biggest idea of the book. And it really evolved as I started writing is we are all on a journey to move from fear and scarcity to a place of love and confidence. Mm, That's so beautiful. I've just started my second year of A Course in Miracles. And that is the premise of that entire workbook is dismantling a thought system based on fear and rebuilding it with one based on love. That's so beautiful. So would you say that the book you ended up with is the book that you started out writing? Yes and no. Okay. I, these five pillars have been with me for a long time. I do feel like it's my gift to the world and my, you know, being able to line it up, you know, getting purpose in place, creating a compelling vision. Another of my favorite topics of all time to talk about because people underestimate the power of a compelling vision in their lives and then establishing agency, which those were some difficult life circumstances for me where I had to establish agency. No one, I had to stop waiting for permission to be who I was going to be and do what I was going to do. And so that's the agency part. And then developing, um, learning how to take action when all of that is aligned, that's when we take action. And then the, the piece of connection too of just when we are aligned with those things, purpose, vision, agency, intention, then the powerful partnerships that we need begin to appear. And that has, that's been my experience. And Wendy, that's why I know you is because when we do that work, then the people that are going to support us and that we are going to support come across our path and we recognize them. That's absolutely right. And we are yes people in those Mm -hmm. moments because we've cultivated um, an environment to be aware of that. Yes. And to be able to take action because there were 15 people at that retreat. And I have strong connections with three of you. So, I mean, it was a beautiful retreat and I was connected to all of those people in that moment. And there were some big moments there. Yeah. Big, big (laughs) moments. I'll talk more about that later, friends. I have alluded (laughs) to it. Um, but, um, I would love to tell that whole story when I'm have freed and when I'm free, when I can speak freely. Yes. It was a Uh, sacred time. It was just sacred. And for me, it was, this was before I started writing the book. When I came to that retreat there, and I don't even remember all that was said there. It was being in the presence of those women, you know, just there are people like us who understood what this is all about and what we're trying to do. And I really do feel like we're called at this very time in history to help people with these topics of purpose and vision and agency. So I'm just delighted to be in the room and be a part of it and play whatever part it is that I can play. It's beautiful work that you're doing. What, um, I have so many questions, obviously <laughs> I don't usually ask this many questions, but I'm so fascinated. What do you find, um, 
are, you know, the, the most common roadblocks at each of those junctures in the five pillars. For me, you, when you mentioned agency, I was going to ask you to say more about that, but then the way that you um, expounded on that, it was like, oh yeah, that was me. I was waiting for somebody who knew more than me, made more money than me, had something I didn't have to tell me that my idea was good. So then I could go do it. And then when I realized I'm her, I'm the person that gives me permission. That's when literally every single thing in my life changed except for my address. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what typically gets in the way, the first thing is just lack of awareness because I feel like a lot of people are sleeping And we're just in denial because that we've become comfortable and it's difficult to have some of these conversations. And especially if we don't have the tools to step into it, it's just easier to stay asleep and to numb ourselves with TV or alcohol or whatever we're going to do. And especially as we get older and, and we may have had a dream that we didn't follow, that's painful. And so that's one of the obstacles is just being willing to face it again. One of the graphics that I share in the book is this J curve where we think we're somewhere, we think we're at the beginning of that J and we're going to go straight to the top of the J, but really you have to dip down and that feels uncomfortable. And sometimes it feels like things get worse before they get better. And not a lot, not all of us are ready to face that. So that's the first thing is just when we get in a rut and we just do what we do and we're not really questioning it anymore. That's the first thing. And so I think Melanie Beatty, I think she has a quote that she says, denial is a lot like sleeping. You don't know that you're doing it until you're done doing it. Mm. And so I typically people, when they cross my path, they're at the pain of point, but they're at the point. <laughs> easy for me to say. <laughs> the pain they're point. at a pain point. Yeah. yeah. They're at a pain point because they've woken up and they realize, oh, I want to make the most of this one life that I have and I'm off track or I'm feeling misaligned. And you can't stay in that space for very long. You either have to do something about it or you got to go back and numb it again. So I like to find people at that and at that point and give them hope. So awareness is a big one. And then the second thing is just limiting beliefs. I'm sure you hear that all day long, but in my book, I talk about the voice of the dreamer and the voice of the dragon. And that the dreamer is that voice that wants us to step into our purpose, that wants our soul to grow and have this amazing contribution in the world. And the dragon is the voice of doom who wants us to keep us safe and keep us safe in the hollow mountain where we don't ever go out because we might get hurt or we might become disappointed. And we need both voices. We need the, the dragon has valuable information for us, but for too long, we've allowed the dragon to drive the car and he really needs to be in the back seat and we need to let our dreamer drive the car. Oh, I love that. And that's the, that's those limiting beliefs. It's like the voice of the dragon. I talk about some stories from my childhood where the voice of my dragon was kind of reinforced. So I listened to it, you know, out of, out of fear. And I've had to relearn that to, to first listen to the dreamer and not mm-hmm. compromise the dream. What is it that I really want or re- what I really think is possible? And then to invite the dragon back into the room or back into the conversation and understand what are the possible pitfalls or what are the things that I need to be aware of as I plan and step into this. But mm-hmm. that's another one I think is that we, so many of us have limiting beliefs that feel true. 
Right. Right. They're not. Yes. Agreed. I recently heard um, from one of my coaches, Rachel, she was talking about, because I was saying how I don't ever do a podcast by myself. I really love conversations and I love the interaction and I like to know when I'm talking and I see it registering on a person's face makes me know, oh, keep talking. But if I'm talking to myself, then I tend to, you know, shorten it or just yeah. like, I'm just not going to do this. This is dumb. Nobody wants to know what I have to say, whatever thing. So, and as I was saying that to her for whatever the 800th time, apparently, um, that I myself finally got tired of hearing what I was saying. And I said, even when I'm saying this to you, the words falling out of my mouth doesn't, they don't sound like Wendy Harrop. So why, why that, that narrative is actually no longer in service to me. It used to be true. Now it's not. And she just, you know, shared this concept of where your mindset has outgrown your habits. So the mm-hmm. habits are familiar and you are doing that from a sleeping state. As you mentioned, you're just, you're, you've become conscious of where you're going unconscious. Right? Yeah. So you're mindful of that. Go ahead. Yeah. Someone said to me one time, only argue for the limitations that you want to keep. Mm-hmm. So when you hear yourself saying them out and you had that moment of awareness, you're like, oh, I've heard myself say this before. And I recognize it as a limitation. And then you have to ask, and I don't say that sarcastically. I just like only argue for the limitations you want to keep because I hear people say all the time, oh, I'm a procrastinator. I'm not organized or I can't run. And as long as we keep telling ourselves that, you know, behavior follows belief. So we're going to continue to, to make that true. Right. Yeah. Right. And you have what you focus on grows. You have the day you tell yourself you're going to have. And if you say, you know, like, oh, I'm going to do this thing, but no one's going to sign up. No one ever signs up for my stuff. No one ever paid. It's like, oh my gosh, you're absolutely right. Like you are creating the experience that you're going to have. So my suggestion to myself is to create the experience I actually desire to have and really focus on that. I'm reading a book called Your Word is Your Wand. Ooh. Yeah. And it was written in like 1919 or something awesome. Like, I know. That's a really cool title for a book in 1919. Right? And I love it, it. And it's all the things that I'm reading now from current day writers. It's really. Yeah. I've been digging into Joe Dispenza this year and, you know, this idea that words create worlds. I recently went to New York city to work with Trisha Brooke. That's another way place where I said yes to myself. Uh, Trisha Brooke helps people. She like took my book and she's like, Missy, here's your keynote message. This is what you need to be talking about. And we developed a keynote talk called let your dream lead. Oh, I love that. Yeah. And it's this story. One of the stories that I share in the book is uh, Anusha Ansari, who is a little girl growing up in Iran. And she, as a little girl, dreamed about going to space. And she's growing up in a war-torn country where women are marginalized and oppressed. Like little girls barely can get an education. And she would go out and look at the stars. And she started drawing pictures of rocket ships and told everyone she knew she was going to space. 
And, you know, I've raised three kids. And at one time, each of them told me they were going to space too, but you know, it became, so the, the reason I even came across her story is because my husband was at a coffee shop one day and he was fidgeting with these little creamers and complaining about how they must've been designed for use on the space station. And the woman next to him in the greatest flex of all time turned around and said, we didn't have creamer on the space station. I had to drink my coffee black and it was Anusha. No. Yeah. He came home. She was in town speaking for an event. He came home and told me about her and I instantly had to know about her and I Googled her and I learned her story. And so, you know, so you already know how the story ends. It ends with her drinking coffee on the international space station. But what was so unique and what I pulled out of her story is that she nurtured her childhood imagination and she did it but with what was available to her, she watched Star Trek and she read science fiction and by holding space for that vision, she saved room for a remarkable possibility. And she ended up being the first Iranian in space. And it's a remarkable story. And it's a powerful story of vision and about holding room and holding space for our dreams. And she went on with her work. She became an engineer. She was able to come to the United States. She did not take a traditional path to space because it wasn't available to her, but she did go and she spent 10 days on the International Space Station. Isn't that cool? It's so good. And it makes me wonder because, and because she did that, she opened doors of opportunity for little girls all over the world. She is supporting women in tech and um, opening doors. And it makes me wonder what would happen if we all followed our dreams. You know, or if we all used our imagination and followed it with curiosity, just like Anusha did. Oh my gosh. I love all of that so much. And all of that is practically word for word, the copy of what I desire people to experience when they come and stay at the Phineas Wright house. Like I want to hold space for people while they hold space for themselves and for their dreams. I've had a couple guests come that were in a really pivotal moment in their lives, which spoiler alert, we all are, um, but they were actually, (laughs) they were aware that they were. So when they came, I was honored to provide care and compassion and presence for, and also give them space. But I rolled out a giant piece of butcher paper on the dining room table and put a jar of colored pencils and said, okay, go for it. Mind map. If there were no limitations, money, time, resources of any kind, someone saying no, nothing to limit you, what, what would you do? What do you want? What does it look like? And is it, is it 14 things? Is it one thing that you see through to 14 iterations? What, what is it? And to see the panic on Friday night compared to the bliss on Sunday morning, because that's a huge question. And you I mean, like I think in my, in my heart, when I've had some big dreams that I held on to, but I only allowed myself to think about them in 30 second increments because I wanted to be kind to my heart. I was in California wanting to live in new England. So that 
clearly wasn't happening at that moment. So I just let myself think about it mm-hmm. a little bit out of a time. I wanted to be a mom and I was still that really nice lady who teaches Sunday school, but she's barren and she's, mm-hmm. people keep saying that she can have their baby and then changing their mind at the last minute. And she's in the queue for China and it's been 10 years, you know, like the story was sad, but I only let myself think about being a mom for really short snippets because I wanted to be kind. So when someone gives you the opportunity to answer that question, what do you want? It sounds like a generous question and the person hearing it could say, hell no, I am not. No, I will not hurt myself by dreaming about something that I want because that's mean. Yeah. And I just, I love the opportunity that I have that I can say, then write that down and then, and then (laughs) write down what you want. Cause we can acknowledge, like you said, the dragon does not necessarily need to be slain, but we're going to take the keys away. And I think so often we think that we need to know the how, and we don't. We just only need to know the what that's what we're responsible for. And it seems too easy and it, we're supposed to work, 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 work. Right. But oh. I remind myself all the time, even with this book launch, I, I, you've seen, it's been remarkable. Like the, it has gone crazy on Amazon and all I, every morning I get up and I write these four questions that I got from Gab, Gabriella Bernstein. And this is the work that I've done. Like, how do I want to feel today? What do I want to receive today? What do I want to give today? Who do I want to be today? Every morning I start off with those four questions. It takes me less than five minutes. And I just write whatever, because your soul knows and you just push that out. And it, my responsibility is to, to acknowledge what I want and to acknowledge what I believe would be the highest and best outcome. And then the how can happen. And I'm learning to be led into the how as you were in, in both of those circumstances, But I think it is like, it's painful to keep bringing out a dream that's not coming true. Mm -hmm. And the, it needs water and sunshine. Yes. And it needs a safe place like the Phineas Wright house that needs a safe place to incubate and be safe. And that's how I felt when I came to that retreat where you guys were, I felt like those 15 women held space. They held court, you know, and and you know, I, you're a soul sister, Wendy, you always have been. And I am so excited to see what we might create together too, for, for other people just yes. to hold space. Cause we both understand the importance of holding space. Yes. And like you said, the releasing of the how I, um, I'm, I only know a little teeny bit about my human design. I, I had this fabulous woman, Stacy Cordova on the podcast last year, and she gave me like the cover page of my human design, but yeah. what I is yours? What, do you know what yours called? Um, I want to say, let me, let me, as get you look my, mine, cause I don't know much about it either, but I do know that I am a manifesting generator. Oh, that's, okay. That's what I remember from that, but awesome. I, I have probably to- need to look into that some more. I think it's under H for human design. Yes, it is. Hold please. Look at you so organized, right? I went to E for my Enneagram, but it's under H. No, I am a generator. Um, and my, but I, but I learned today from Gina. So our inner authority. So 
I am sacral, which this, that's not what this says. This says emotional solar plexus, but she told me today and it totally resonated. I am. And we trust Gina. She knows what she's talking about. I, who am I, who am I to question (laughs) the queen GDV, right. And her divine downloads. So, um, like I am a, when I hear something, I'm a yes or no. So even like in marketing, when people say, oh yeah, someone has to hear about your thing seven to 13 times. I'm like, oh, for goodness sakes, I do not have time to write seven to 13 emails. Do you want the dahlias or do you not want the dahlias? Like they're not hard questions, but like, (laughs) like I get like, that's just how this, how this game is played. But um, I have to tell you, I have to sneak it and say, I've been going on a lot of podcasts lately and some of them, it's just like this big production. We got to schedule it. We got to get eight people involved. We got to do this. And Wendy's like, how about tomorrow at one 30? I'm like, yeah. yes. Right. Because, because I-, I can't figure out that silly calendar link. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. So, but all to say about the quick yes and the quick no, I'm not sure if it was even Gina that said this in, let me see in September of 2020, somebody in my new world said, the how is not your responsibility. And I, I have no idea what the rest of that call was about, but I wrote that down. It has been on the sticky note on my window and in all of my sacral authority. Like as soon as I heard that, I was like, done. Okay. The how was not, yeah. so people are like, how are you going to do that? We've got a barn renovation. I got an architect. It's like going to bridge these two legit buildings with a greenhouse. And someone said, how do you, how do you plan to do that? I was like, ah, 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 ah. the how no, is not did. my responsibility. And I am not available and- for any conversations that start with the word how. So that's exactly the tension between the dreamer and the dragon is that the dreamer needs to get the dream out. And our job as leaders is to hold the vision. And so, but this dragon always wants to come in with strategy right away and strategy kills vision. And in our go get him Midwestern or American world, we value strategy above all else, but vision needs to come first. And when you start and you have these people, you've met these people in meetings before. They're always asking you for the how, and you haven't even gotten the vision out there yet because if it, sometimes if you're you, married to them, sometimes you are. And <laughs> that's not helping me right now. <laughs> yeah, it's exactly right because we, we, they want to be so practical and they want to know, but our job is to know the what and to hold the vision. I tell my leaders this all the time. Your number one job as a leader is to hold the vision of what's possible for people. And if you do that, everything else will work itself out. But strategy has been over-worshipped, I think. And I'm really enjoying a season of life where I'm doing a lot less strategy and a lot more visioning and checking in internally of what I think is possible. That's beautiful. And I do realize in case anyone's freaking out that's listening I agree there is a place for strategy that's not my place right so I'm gonna delegate the strategy to trusted people and I'm I'm the dreamer yeah and I do a little bit of both because I'm in business coaching but I really love opening people up because the you we always talk about 
you know, when people lose their motivation, that's another time when people come to me is when they've lost their motivation. And I could give them a bunch of tips of how to discipline themselves and get back into it and all of that. But what, what they've really lost is their vision because your vision and your motivation are tied together. And when you've lost your motivation, it's because you don't have that vision of what's possible. You're not excited about what you're after and what you're doing, because once we re- we put that back in place, the er- internal motivation kicks right back in. That's right. That's right. Oh my gosh. It's so good. I cannot wait. I'm glad that the book has launched today. I'm ordering my hard copy. I'm an underliner, so I can't. Well, also Wendy, there's a guidebook. So we created like, it's like a 35 page guidebook that goes along with the book. So you can certainly underline in your book too, but I really wanted this to be a gift for people. When, when I was working on my strategy for the book, which I did do, I hired someone to do a strategy. And she said, what do you want people to feel like when they read this book? And I said, I want that that was my next question. Oh, wow. See, we are on the same line. I said, I want them to feel like I've been coaching. I say in the shadows for 15 years where I've seen people's lives just really transformed by this content. And I said, I want them to know what it's like to, to feel like what it's like to be coached by me, to be in my office and to have someone who believes and sees your potential and believes in your dream and isn't just woo woo, but also can say, here's a path. These are five pillars. And the guidebook is, I designed that to support them in that. Do I still think we need a human interaction? I think it's really helpful, but people can get started with the book and the guidebook. And then eventually we'll have a group or a retreat where people can connect and share their experiences. But that is my goal is that people who may have never worked with a life coach would have that experience of what, what could open up and become possible from if they just had one objective person in their life who explored their dream and helped them step into it. Yes. I love that. Um, and I think to, like you said, objective, and I, I just wanted to say, <laughs> There's so, it's such a different experience for the dreamer when there is a deliverable from a coach who is committed to your success, as opposed to a person who is asking for a deliverable, who is actually asking you to cause you pain because they want you to fail. Well, or they're asking you to prove it. Right. And the difference is no one wants to have to prove it. And that takes all the energy out of the room. You know, it's, we want to feel supported. And when a coach supports you, you know, they're asking you those questions because they want to see you get there and skeptics are, it's not fun to answer questions from skeptics because they're not committed to the result. They're trying to decide if they're going to be committed to the result. And that energy takes the air out of the room. Right. So that's the difference. Oh, I love that. So I would, I would add celebratory to your objectiveness because you are, you want your client, you want the reader, you want everyone to succeed in the pursuit of the dream that's inside of them. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. Yay. Okay. So tell everybody how they can get the book, how they can follow all of this goodness that you're up to, how they can work with you. Are you accepting new clients? what's happening? 
I am on a very limited basis. So they can get the book at amazon.com. It's in Kindle, paperback, hardcover. I'm going to be recording the Audible in a few weeks. So I'm hoping to have that out by the end of the year. And then in December, I have a retreat in Destin. Um, we used to call it Destin in December, but it's it's really a work from here retreat. And this is on my website too. And this is a small group of women that come. I stay in Destin all the whole month of December. Okay. And, and what think, is Destin? Where is Destin? Destin is in Florida. Okay. And I rent these amazing queen-like condos. Awesome. And I invite, you know, really women who are high achievers, high, you know, but they also are really need some time, a moment to rest. I feel like December is the hardest month for a lot of people. And we kind of just went counterintuitive and said, let's have a retreat in December. And we'll just go right in the face of it's the busiest month of the year. And it has, this is our third year doing it. And it's been remarkable. Like people love it. And it's just, I think that six nights, you can go to my website. There's a tab called retreats and there's two different sessions this year, two different weeks in December. And it's called work from here. So if you are working for someone else or if you're an entrepreneur, you can bring your work with you. So during the day, there's time for you to work. Everybody gets a private room, but you share a condo with two other women and they're right on the beach. So it's like floor to ceiling windows. We watch the sunrise in the morning. We watch the sunset at night. I have a yoga instructor there who does morning yoga with us. She does an evening meditation. I lead workouts in the gym because I love that for anybody who wants to. And then there's coaching long walks on the beach. And then in the evenings we gather from seven to nine And I have a little program that I walk people through. It's similar to forces at work, but it's helping them take the year that they're just finishing and glean the lessons from it and then begin to set their course and their dreams for the next year. It's so, so fun. So you can, amazing. And that one fills up fast. That will be filled in a couple of weeks, probably, but it's on the website. And if there are any women who just need that, if that it's a special woman that does that, that comes, that leaves her family and work in December to come to Destin. And I mean, we have dolphins and sand and beaches and seafood. It's amazing. Wow. It sounds amazing. That's so fabulous. Well, we'll put all the links to everything in the show notes. Yeah. Thank you so much. Oh, Wendy, what a delight you are. I hope we talk again soon. And I really can see us doing something at that long table that you set outside. That is my dream. I just am called to that. So I hope that maybe we can talk about doing um, a combined event. 100%. I'm totally here for it. And setting the table is my life's work. Ah. Well, leading groups through conversations is my life's work. So maybe we can marry those two things together. Sure. Let's do it. I need another excuse to come out to see you. You need no excuse. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) Thank you so much, my love. You are a treasure. Bye-bye. I hope you enjoyed that conversation as much as I did. As always, any links or notes mentioned can be found at phineaswrighthouse.com in the podcast section of our site or in the show notes below. And if you haven't connected with me personally, come find me on Instagram at Phineas Wright House and let me know you listened to this episode. I'd love to get to know you. Thank you for sharing this time with me. I know your days are full and I'm really grateful that you chose to spend some of your precious time right here. 
Be sure to subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss any of these delightful conversations. I'll see you next week.